Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, it's so great to be with you today as we share in this uh, message, which is the third of our messages um, in the series of um, Cultural Disconnects. And the, the actual basis on what we are looking at and the definition that we have for cultural disconnection, and we'll put it up on the screens for you, is that it is the assumption that we are correct and everyone else should think that we should think and act as we do. So we think what we do, what we understand, who we are, the way we behave is actually the correct way and the only way and everybody else needs to come and be a part of us even though they are different. So let's just pray. Gracious, loving God, we just give you thanks that we can share together. Share together in worship, share together in exploring your word for us, share together exploring how you challenge us. Today we ask that your Holy Spirit be upon us now, opening our hearts and minds to your leading. We ask, O Lord, that you let us look afresh at your church and we understand your will for us. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Saviour. Amen. So today we're going to be looking at the, the topic, the disconnected church. Now, Lachlan uh, suggested I run out and go and grab my liturgical uh, garb, but I, I, I just couldn't do it. So I'll, I'll explain why in just a little bit. So uh, you've got me as I would normally be, so that, that's it. But, you know, as a church, we, we do so many things that, um, that actually bring cultural disconnections between us and the world um, around us. And we have cultural disconnections in so many different areas. But we also have disconnections between our history and what we do now. We have disconnections between our practices that we have and what the world does. We have disconnections between the way we do things and other churches do stuff. There are lots of different disconnections that we have. And it's actually interesting because if we start to think about the practices, the things that we do as a church, that we may have done for years and years and years, that have become so ingrained with us, but they are no longer understood, no longer relevant for a world that we now live in. So I want to ask you right now to have a little think of what are some of the things that we do as a church or as being part of your growing up, if you grew up within the church, um, the things that you do that might seem irrelevant or disconnected with our world today. Have a think for a moment. Got something in your head? Got some things? Did you come up with maybe, and this might be a little bit of a hint that we've been doing this morning, maybe the songs we sing, maybe the hymns that we have, or spiritual songs, worship songs, whatever you want to call them, maybe they are the things that cause disconnections. Maybe you think, oh, how could they 
create disconnections? How could they be disconnected with our world today? Hymns we often think are eternal will continue on and will always be relevant. It was interesting today because so many of these things, I was looking at at the various different aspects of what we've been, what we do as a church, and, and I've been running down little rabbit holes, you know, little tidbits of information that get your mind thinking and processing and, and, and running in a particular way. And, and as I was looking at, you know, well, what disconnections do we have within the music, within hymns and stuff like that, and you kind of go, oh, general. But I was went, oh, well, what, what are some of the most disconnected hymns we have? Well, we're actually going to sing one. Lachlan's going to come up and sing one in just a moment for you. Um, and it's actually written by Isaac Watts. Now, Isaac Watts um, was a prolific hymn writer. He lived in, from, from 1674 to 1748. So he's not modern by any stretch of the imagination. You know, uh, it wouldn't be on most playlists today on the radio. Let me just put it there. But, you know, uh, he, he wrote this hymn based out of the description of mercy and compassion that is found in Psalm 41. Lachlan, do you want to come up and sing it for you? I, I'm going to introduce the first line of the song. And this is the way most hymns are actually introduced, by the first line of the song. And the first line of the song is this. Blessed is the man whose bowels move. Okay, can you kind of, kind of get maybe a little bit of disconnection happening here? Now let Lachlan, we're going to sing it together. I'm going to turn my mic off for this. Save him with a healing touch. 
change or take his willing soul to heaven. Thanks, Lachlan. And, and I, I did see a couple of people laughing. You know, language changes, the words that we have, you know, in terms of trying to actually understand that so that we don't have, are not so disconnected, we're not singing about our bowel motions. We're actually singing about the depth of, of, of language about our emotions. So the, the, the thought was, as the, Isaiah Watts wrote that, that hymn, those words, that it was trying to convey the depth of emotions from deep within inside of you. But can you see how, if we would apply that today in our general worship, it probably wouldn't connect with us now. Yet it's within our history. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a hymn that people sang at church to help us in worship, to understand things. Yet things move and change. Our society changes. Our own understandings of who we are changes. And so we have disconnections. And, that, you know, I did choose one that was a little bit more funny and a little bit more out there. But, you know, we, we have disconnections in many different ways. You know, we, if we were to think about onward Christian soldiers for a moment, that's, you know, and you go, oh, what a wonderful song. And then you go, actually, no, hold on, there's a whole lot of disconnections in there that we don't feel comfortable about. Let alone the language of this. And we, we had this highlighted about, you know, even gender within the language that do we sing about only half the population of the world that God's going to bless or not? And, and there was a time when language and that we used that when we talked about man used to encompass all of it, but we don't, and it doesn't actually encompass everything. So language changes, the way we speak changes. There's some of the disconnects that we have within the church. I, I want to share with you a prayer that was written in um, 1566, and it's been kind of updated and modernised a little bit, but even the way that we do and have language um, creates disconnects in what we do. Let me share this little prayer for you. It's a, it's, it's, it's a prayer about having a perfect heart, and, and I'm not just pulling this out willy-nilly and randomly. This actually is one of the, the prayers from the Treasury of Prayers, which is part of uniting churches uniting a worship too so it's actually written down in in the book of worship that we use uh, liturgy that we use within the uniting church that structures our worship here and here's the prayer and it's not outlandish or i haven't chosen one that's a bit strange but just think about the language and whether it actually connects with you or creates a disconnect and i'll come also into my Centering myself into my voice that I should use as I do this. O oh Lord, for your tender mercy's sake, lay not our sins to our charge, but forgive that which is past. And give us grace to amend our lives and decline from sin and incline to virtue, that we may walk with a perfect heart before you, now and forevermore. You know, Sometimes the way we speak, sometimes the words that we have create disconnections. 
Now, I, I don't know about you, but it, I struggled to actually connect with the way that prayer would be for us today, yet it was significant. It was significant enough to be put within the orders and structures of our church. Thinking about that, prayers. There's another thing that might create disconnects for us. Maybe the fact that we even pray will create a disconnect for those for outside our church. You know, I find this. You can always tell that there is a disconnection at weddings and funerals when you do that. There's always a disconnection. People who don't attend church, who, who, who don't have the language or the understanding or the rhythm and pattern that we have as a church, you can always see that there's a disconnection with them. I might be leading a prayer and, and, and as I'm praying it, I might look up and you can see that there's some people that are completely disconnected, that they, you can tell that they've wandered off somewhere else and, uh, you know, in La La Land or are thinking that this is strange and weird and you just go, there is a disconnection there, even though that we go, this is the pattern of behaviour that we had. Once upon a time, we actually learned how to pray as part of our education. But we don't do that anymore. Our society and the patterns and what we have, we're disconnected. Our church is disconnected from our world. And yet we think that what we do is normal and people should be able to understand it. Let me say they don't. Now, Lachlan wanted me to, you know, and actually the rest of our worship team, when we were having a conversation about what we were going to do, we did think that it would be really funny if I came in dressed in my liturgical garb and started undressing as we came on, and I went, no, I don't want to do that. But there is such the things, you know, the, the look and the feel and the things that you dress up. In, in church terms, we call them vestments um, or, or clergy apparel. And believe it or not, if you, you can go on the website, you can go to the shops that uh, sell all of this stuff. And you can go and buy all of these things. And I'm not going to speak from, from our Protestant culture. I'm not going to go into um, any of the orthodox cultures around vestments and all of those things that they have. And I'm not even going to go you know, into Anglican terms or anything of those because they have a lot more that they wear and they put on. The vestments, let me just, are, the, are the, the garments, the clothes that are associated with the church. Not the clothes that you guys in the congregation are wearing, that's not what I'm talking about. But it's actually the clothes that you wear that the, the minister, the priest, the, the pastor, the person at the front wears to signify their role in the church. And this was another uh, rabbit hole that I went down, you know. Lots of different things. There was even the colour of the particular stole, which is the piece of fabric that you put around your neck and you wear down. And as you wear the stole, you know, this piece of fabric that goes around your neck and hangs down, um, if it's a blue, plain blue colour, it signifies that you're not ordained, but you're there to um, provide uh, lay reading. In other words, you're not an ordained person, you're not set aside by the church, but you're somebody you've been given the permission to talk out the front of the church just by wearing that blue piece. But, you know, you've also got also lots of different things. You know, the alb, um, which is the, the... It's actually the, the garment, the, the big, well, frock, 
let's put it another way, dress that the men or that the priest, well, let me not be gender specific about this, that ministers often wear. In the Uniting Church, they will wear them. And they'll wear them as a sign of, of being a part of and being set apart. They're the robes. And it comes back from, you know, you can trace it all the way back to our Roman and Greek times and the, the clothes that they wore then. And yet we're still wearing them and our culture has shifted and our way we've shifted. But let me not just rag on those kind of things. Let me just... Uh, that was a pun intended there. I, I was wondering whether anybody got that one. Um, there we go. But actually, think about other churches. They have particular uniforms and styles and clothes that you need to wear um, for, for the preacher. And, and, and it's actually interesting because if you actually go into it, some churches actually have a special budget for their preacher to buy new clothes so that they can look the part and they have a particular way and look that they want them to have. And sometimes they even have like the, the, here's the rules that the worship team at the front, these are the things they're allowed to wear and these are the things they're not allowed to wear. It's all important aspects of it. So I'm not saying that um, liturgical things are bad um, because some people will state, and rightly so, that they signify the office that they hold, the position they hold within the church. Um, and, and it helps them to separate themselves from the everyday to the special moment they have as they're, they're leading with, you know, uh, within various elements of the worship service. And I agree with them. But I also want to say that what it does, it creates a cultural disconnect between us and those that we're trying to reach. There was a time when I used to wear um, my alb and stole and um, cincture and all those kind of things. But I don't anymore. Because I don't want to feel disconnected between yourself and myself. I don't want to say that for some reason I'm more special than other people and I don't want to you know, portray that. I also want people to be able to relate with me a little bit more easily, not separated by what I'm wearing. I actually, here at New Beginnings, we've actually taken some really big steps so that we, and they're deliberate steps, so that we try and minimise the disconnections that we have between what we do and the community and our society around us. We're minimising it to break down the barriers so, and break down the points of disconnections so that those who are new to faith, those who are first-time visitors, are not affronted by strange things and strange behaviours that they don't understand and don't comprehend. I want to share with you a reading from um, Matthew 23 and it's verses 1 through to 7. Um, I'm, I'm only going to share that first section because Jesus really gets into criticising the, the religious leaders here, but I just want us to hear what this says for us. Um, from Matthew 23, verse 1 through to 7. Then Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. 
So practice and obey what they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burdens. Everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside and they wear robes with extra long tassels and they love to sit at the head of the table at banquets and in the seat of honour in the synagogue. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace and to be called rabbi. Now, this is pretty harsh, isn't it? What, what Jesus is going, they never, and I love this, they never lift a finger to ease their burdens. And I love how Jesus puts that. And one of the things that we are doing, and part of the reason why we are talking about this series about cultural disconnects, is that we are trying to ease the burden of people to understand God's love and grace for them so that we don't place disconnections in front of them so that they can't comprehend God's love and grace for them. We want to break that down. We don't want to be, you know, just doing certain things for show. As Jesus said, they, they, they have all of this for show. And when they talk, when Jesus talks about here, and he says, on their arms they wear extra wide prayer boxes. There was a particular thing called a phylactery that they would put a scroll of... A, particular scroll of verse within and they would wear them on their arms and one on their forehead, I think, if I'm correct. Yeah, good. I'm just looking at my more Hebrew scholar over there. Just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember correctly. Um, and, and long tassels. So it's, it's the things that they're doing to show that they are more pious, more, you know, more religious. It's like if I was to wear... Um, my clerical collar and robes and walking around the street and want people, and, and here's the point, want people to recognise me as being a minister and pay respect to me as a minister. Notice that I've put it very particular in the way that I'm phrasing this. This is not to say that people that wear clerical robes are wanting this. But if you expect people to change their behaviour and provide honour to you because of what you are wearing, then you've missed the point. You are putting on a show so other people can be respectful for you. And that's not what we are to do as a church. We're to break that down. That's something that I have struggled with and I've come to a place where I feel very comfortable in saying that I don't want to be disconnected, I don't want to be put on a pedestal, I don't want to be seen as this special person. I am like anyone here. I've just chosen to follow God. And I've chosen to humble and not put myself above and beyond others. So we create, 
when we are more in love with the show, and I'll use the way the New Living Translation puts it for the Pharisees here, when we are more in love with the show, whether it's the things that we wear, whether it's the music that we have, whether it's the fact that we need a pulpit up there as opposed to a stage, or whether we need to have the clear, trendy-looking lectern or pulpit, depends on what you want to call it, whatever the name is, or whether we, whether we have you know, driving drums in worship or whether we have organ music playing or whether the words are new, whether the words are old, whether we've become more in tune with the show and the performance and what we do and what we put around it, then we have actually created a disconnection, not only between us, the church and the world outside, but actually between us and God. And that is a disconnection that we should not have. We should be connected. The things that we do should not be placed in front of God. Yes, liturgical wear, robes, hymns, pulpits, you know, all of this stuff, all that we have that we've got is there to help us understand the sacredness and the awe and the majesty of God. But when we place that in front of God and they become the special part, then we've lost the point. We've become disconnected with God. As I was reading and deep diving into all of this, there was a, a little statement that I want to share with you. And it says this, Your method, which is your strategy, your approach, your plan, your vestments, the hymns, the language, the prayers that you have, they are not sacred. The mission is sacred. And for us, the mission is to lead people to become fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. This is why we do the things that we do. This is why we choose the music that we choose. This is why we turn churches sideways. This is why we do stuff so it is more open, more less disconnected for people. Let me share what Jesus gave his disciples as their charge and what we need to do as well and not create a disconnection around us. Further on in Matthew's Gospel, right at the end of Matthew's Gospel, it says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth, therefore go and make disciples. Notice, what you go and make disciples, not build barriers, but go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father. So that's a process that we do. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands, not to dress a particular way, not to sing a particular way, but to obey God's commands. And I have, that I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is the challenge for us. Have we become a disconnected church? Have we become a church that no longer connects to our community, no longer connects to our society, is not interested in the things that are going on in the world? Yes, we need to be interested in what it is. We need to you know, be in the world but not of the world. That doesn't mean we just take on board everything that the world gives us. But we should not be completely disconnected from the world around us. We need to have ways that people can enter into the love and the care 
and the community of the church so that they may know the love and care and grace of God Almighty. Let's just pray. Our loving God, we give you thanks that you will always challenge us. Challenge us from the place where we feel comfortable to the place where you want us to be. And Lord, often that requires us to step over the verge, to change something, even if ever so slightly. Lord, I ask today that you open our eyes that may, so that we may see the things that are creating disconnects between us and the world, that create disconnects between us and you. Lord, break down the barriers in our lives. Break down the things that we do that create disconnects. Lord, help us. Help us to be your people, worshipping you, loving you, leading people to become fully devoted disciples of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray this in your name. Amen.